Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 94, with Britt Davis. Welcome to episode 95 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at TAdamMartin on Twitter. My guest for this episode began her design career by studying industrial design at NC State. She later graduated with a master's degree from the renowned Savannah College of Art and Design, during which she endured a table of beer-drinking, sports-designing men at an Irish pub, critiquing her senior thesis sketches at the 2015 Creative South, a conference which she later became a presenter at. She's a comic book and Star Wars-loving geek and a talented graphic designer. Currently, she works as a senior designer in the creative group at AMB Sports and Entertainment, which stands for those of you that don't know, Arthur M. Blank, or the founder of Home Depot, uh, which encompasses designing for the Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta United FC of the MLS, and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. She is also not a former NFL wide receiver, in case you happen to Google her, <laughs> and she attends more design conferences than anyone you know. I'm happy to welcome to the podcast my friend, Britt Davis. Thank you very much. It makes me sound so interesting. <laughs> well, you are interesting. I've been trying to get you on the show forever. <laughs> I know, and then it got like... Just life. think, I could have been. this could have been your first podcast. <laughs> I, I know, it's like I'm a vet now, so I'm seasoned, and I, I kind of got all the... The nerves and stuff worked out, so this is good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, well, you're. I'm. I'm proud of you. I'm. I'm glad to see all the things you've been doing. You're doing awesome work, and uh, and I, you know, I think you've come a, a long way from from that table of beer drinking <laughs> dudes at the at the Irish oh, pub. Yeah, that was an experience <clears throat> right there. That was that was probably one of the most intimidating critiques of my life, but uh, it really ended up turning out to be a great learning experience, and um. A great, meeting a great group of designers, my my design big brothers and and, and such. There's some some cool. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll uh, and just for listeners, um, if you go back and listen to uh, one of the Creative South episodes, it's actually the first one. So just look for Creative South. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. Uh, I mentioned Britt and how she sat and brought out her sketchbook to some really really. Uh, stellar design talent in an Irish pub, uh, which is very, very bold move with people like Todd Radom, Joe Bosack, and Von Glitschka uh, to, to look at her work and to critique it. So, yeah, wow. It was supposed, wow. Yeah, it was supposed to be a one-on-one with Todd because he was my thesis yeah. advisor. <laughs> yeah. And then he was just like, hey, I'm at this pub, you know, with some, some people. He said some, not a whole table. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I guess, you know, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to kind of have all these uh, guys critique my work. And it was it was great. And the project turned out great. So that's awesome. Well, I definitely want to talk about that project uh, a little bit later in the episode. But at this point, uh, for people that probably that may not know who you are. Um, can you just kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of your creative life, so to speak? So how did you kind of get into liking creativity or design art and, um, you know, sort of your path, uh, to AMB sports and entertainment? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I always knew I'd be, uh, 
a creative, um, you know, like the intro to Goodfellas all my life. I want to be a designer, not a gangster, but a designer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my, you know, my family just really nurtured um, anything creative that I wanted to do, whether it was drawing, uh, Play-Doh, um, Lego sets, um, movies, uh, just, just all that stuff. Even like, um, going as far as helping me get private art lessons, um, with local artists where I grew up in, in, uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And once I got to high school, um, we had just gotten a, a computer, um, we got Photoshop and all that stuff on there. Uh, and this was like 2003, 2004. Um, so going into my junior year of high school and that's when I kind of, um, started getting into industrial design. Um, my art teacher, uh, Matt Fussell, um, he kind of really helped guide me to that direction of uh, industrial design because I really didn't want to be an architect um, and I didn't really want to do fine arts anymore, which is what I kind of focused on in, in high school. Um, so he kind of helped me get in that direction just based on the type of sketches I was doing. And I like to kind of take things apart, put them back together, kind of interested in engineering. So it was just the perfect fit. So I'm so, let me real quick, let me interrupt you. Was this in high school? Yeah, this is in high school. Wow. So your art teacher was knowledgeable about industrial design. Yeah, uh, he oh, was really a, cool. an amazing, um, an amazing teacher. So I had he was my teacher for so I took art all four years, and I think he was my teacher for three years. He came in like the second semester of my freshman year, I want to say, and um, we had to keep a, a sketchbook every quarter if you were in an honors art class. So yeah. just based on the sketches I was doing, he was like, "Hey, have you heard of uh, industrial design?" And I was like. No, because I was drawing shoes. I was drawing um, things out of East Bay Magazine because I, I grew up loving, yeah, I love stickers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. And, that, and that's, you know, that's funny because uh, uh, my next uh, uh, my next guest, uh, you know, I should actually connect you guys too because I think you hit it off. But I, it's funny, I meet people sometimes and it's like their childhood, their childhood was a lot like mine in terms of the things that they liked, like East Bay Magazine and Slam Magazine and sneakers. And uh, the next the next guy coming on is Xavier Jones, who is a sneaker designer for Reebok. Um, oh, okay. But he, him and I DM each other and he's like, yeah, man, you always talk about Slam Magazine and And One and all yeah, these oh things. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Those videos of um, Hot Sauce and all the guys, man, is like amazing. Oh yeah, Atlanta boy, Hot Sauce. Yeah, I love, I, that's all I used to do during the summer was like watch And One videos and mixtapes. And they were, and these, and they were so hard to come by too. But yeah. this like pre-YouTube and they yes. just VHS tapes. <laughs> Sometimes they would just like show them on like ESPN, uh, just like during the summer, um, just like marathons. Yeah, I I loved them. Skip to my Lou. Yeah, all of those. He was like probably one of the only ones I think that made it to the league. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. So you, so that's that's interesting though. Um, so my, I actually sort of give pay homage to my art teacher in terms of pushing me towards art in general, uh, and, and which, which turned into graphic design, but I, I used to draw a lot like, you know, sneakers and I was really into them and stuff like that too. And I'd draw basketball players. Um, I found this Alan Iverson drawing under, uh, a sort of stashed away that I did that was from a slam cover. I need to dig that out and post it to my Instagram. But, um, so did you, did you know that sneaker design was a thing? Like, did, was that something that you seriously considered? Because industrial design, I mean, that's that's the right path, obviously, to take. No, actually, um, so when I first got into industrial design, um, I was also taking Japanese in, in high school. And so I thought I was going to be a uh, like an electronics designer, like designing cell phones and 
portable devices, computers, all this stuff. Like I was prepared, you know, I was thinking Japanese. I wanted to move to Japan and work for Sony. Yeah. Um, Which so would have was probably kind of, been awesome, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, you, I, you're, you have design just like sort of like bred into you because, I mean, just, you know, Japanese culture, it's such a designed. And that that's, that was kind of one of the other things that really, you know, connected me with, with art. Like I loved um, calligraphy and like I was in a international club in high school and that's kind of how I really got into um, Japanese because one of the students that I worked with that I was paired with, um, we would tutor each other. Um, she was from Japan and so she would help me with my home, my Japanese homework and then I would help her with like well, art, like uh, English projects and uh, some of our art projects. So, um, you know, it. I, I, I still can read it a little bit and I still have on my books, but mm-hmm. I'm really rusty, but I, I like to pick it back up. But I, I just thought I was going to end up doing more um, product design like on the electronics end, but it wasn't until I got to college that I really started looking at more of the like lifestyle stuff, the sneakers and the soft products like bags. Like I really love designing bags. Like my senior, uh, my final project was actually, um, I designed a book bag and actually had to put it together, like sew it and everything. Oh, wow. Um, so that was uh, that was really cool because you get to learn about the materials, um, the the sketching process. You get to do all the, the research, like um, the, about the consumer, because we had to like develop a profile for the um, consumer that was going to be using our product. And mm-hmm. like I loved all that stuff, like interacting with um, my classmates and asking them, "Hey, if I was to design a bag for you, like what are the type of things that you would want? You know, in the ideal bag. If you could have one bag, what would it be? If you could have." one pair of shoes, what would they, what would they do? Mm-hmm. And, um, applying all that stuff into, um, to my projects, you know, uh, was great. But once I, like, as far as getting into graphic design, um, I was approached by, uh, one of the RAs in our building, um, his name's Kima Washington. And he kind of had his own, like, um, he basically kind of started this like marketing and design little agency, um, like he was doing a lot of stuff for, uh, local clubs. He had like a little street team of us, like, like a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. And he would like, you know, pay us to say, Hey, put these flyers out for me. And then, um, he went, came over to the design school and was like, Hey, I need some people to help me design some, some flyers, you know, um, you know, and I'll give you like a couple hundred bucks, you know, you know, design a bunch of flyer templates for me. We're like heck yeah, you know, we're freshmen, a hundred, couple hundred bucks. That's, that's great. Yes. Yeah, way better than, than bagging groceries at Kroger. <laughs> that's what I, I mean, did in college. <laughs> I had a couple of those jobs too, but it was, I did I actually was fortunate enough to have, um, mostly design jobs when I was in college, whether on campus or just through freelance. But he kind of helped me, um, think more about like graphic design. Cause I'm like, I can get paid for graphic design like right now. So I was doing like a whole bunch of club flyers. I mean, there's still club promoters out there that owe me money for flyers that I did. <laughs> I know where you are. I know your names and I will find you That's funny. and I will get my, my 50 bucks. That I used to try to <laughs> yeah. But, um, so that, that's when I started kind of getting into, uh, more graphic design and like posters. And then the flyers would turn into, Hey, can you design a business card for me? Or, Hey, can you design a t-shirt for me? And so, um, we did a lot of t-shirt competitions on campus and I did a t-shirt that, um, one of the, the student, um, the, uh, student activities board really liked. And, um, the young lady who was a designer for the, um, the student activities board was graduating. She was like, Hey, I really like the shirt you did for the, uh, Pan African festival. Um, I'm graduating and I think you'd be a great fit for the on-campus um, design job that I'll be leaving. And I was like, Oh, okay. So from there, 
you know, I was designing all the flyers for all of our campus activities events, um, so concerts, comedians, um, special acts that would just come through campus, all of our parties. Um, I was designing those. So that's when I was like, maybe I should um, start looking at like maybe a minor in graphic design just because I felt confident about what I was doing. But then at the same time, I'm like, there has to be an easier way because I was doing everything in Photoshop. Stuff was pixelated. I didn't really understand why because I, in industrial design, we're more three-dimensional product, um, three-dimensional programs and uh, Photoshop raster-based stuff. We weren't really doing anything vector um, yeah. And uh, you know, honestly, like, and sorry, I, I tend to interrupt a lot, but that's just, <laughs> that's just me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in asking you about industrial design. Cause you're the first, um, I believe you're the first industrial design degree or major that that's been on the show. And it was something that I was interested in, but my school didn't have it. So I sort of was like, Oh, well, graphic design sounds, it's got the word design in it. Uh, might yeah. as well settle for that. Luckily I ended up loving it. Right. But is there a lot of like, um, you know, because creativity is so right-brained. Is there a lot of left-brain stuff involved in industrial design? Because obviously the engineering side. Yeah, I think it's a good balance of both. Um, because we have to have both. Like we have to make it look good. But before we do any of that, we have to make it like work. So it has to really function before, you know, we get into the aesthetics part, you know, the product. So um, even before, like in our in our program, even before we were able to touch Photoshop or get into rendering and, you know, making it look really cool, we spent pretty much the first semester um, working with foam and paint and paper, learning how to uh, grasp form and function. And then once we kind of proved we could grasp those concepts of design, then they kind of moved on and said, okay, now you can get into the Prismacolor markers and the rendering and the Cintiqs and the, um, the digital sketching and all the, the rendering tools that we can get into later. Do they teach you like a specific way to sketch? Because it seems like industrial designers kind of have this, this style that's sort of consistent. Yeah. yeah, so actually my favorite classes um, from the program was um, Ideation 1 and 2. And um, the professor we have, his name is Brian Lafitte. He is like a legend when it comes to just ideation and ideas and putting things together. I mean, he's, he's just amazing. And he taught us how to, um, you know, sketch in that, in that way. Um, so we would do the kind of expanded sketches. And then we have like the sketches we would do with our, um, our markers, um, like the, the Prismacolor markers. And, and then he taught us in his class, we didn't sketch with pencil. We sketched with like just ballpoint pens and they became like such a hot commodity, just the really cheap, you know, big pens, you know, just the cheapest little pen. But it's like you use so many of them and you ran out of ink so fast. It was those pens and a big stack of 11 by 17 paper. And because we're like, you know, just broke college students, we would go to like all the printers, like at the library and just like take stacks of paper yeah. and then use those in <laughs> class until we could like afford to get out, get our own like, um, our, our pads of paper. You, but, you were paying uh, for that paper in a roundabout way anyway. Though, oh right? yeah. In a way. Yeah, they, they got <laughs> that was your, that was your tuition. <laughs> it, basically. And so we would just get those piles of paper. He would stack like, 10 sheets, you know, to create kind of a padding and then kind of, you know, show you how to position your hand to kind of keep the paper in place. And then the first couple of weeks, all we drew were uh, like circles and ellipses and straight lines just to kind of get, you know, the motions right. And then he would show us how to take those motions and like translate those into um, our sketches. So you'd be able to get these really clean sketches. I mean, even the um, how we would take notes on our, our sketches, like with the arrows, like he's like, if you draw your arrow like this, it's a little bit cleaner. And then you start writing out your, your lines. And then if you um, 
sketch out like really light lines and pencil, those can be the lines that you use, you know, for writing your notes so that everything's nice and clean. So um, those classes kind of really helped us just develop a sketch style, but then, you know, also kind of encourage us to kind of evolve our own style when you start, you know, do you like this pen better or do you like to use these pens or do you are you more of a marker person and some people will like to take pencil and then go over with markers so it still felt and looked like pen mm-hmm. um but they they will teach us all that stuff and uh, but those are my my favorite classes because it was just really about just drawing out your ideas and adding color to it it was really really loose so there's really no pressure but then once you get to like ideation two you have to start translating those ideas and thinking about them in a, in a 3d space so we would sketch it out and then you have to sketch all sides of it and then take that sketch and move it into a 3D program for, for modeling and possibly 3D printing. So, um, But Ideation 1 was great because it was just like, basically we just sketched for, you know, two hours because the studio was about two hours. So you just sit there and you just, he'd give you an assignment and you just sketch it. Or we would get um, study sketches from like other like industrial design and ideation masters and we would just like mimic their sketches to kind of get a hang on how we shade plastic and how you shade metal and wood using these markers and pens and then he said okay now to take what you've learned here and apply it to um you know to your own sketch but um i pretty much most of my assignments were around uh sketching shoes um you know just because that was just fun and then he was like hey you know you can actually design shoes and that that ideation class is what kind of led into that and the the professor that taught ideation too um, he, his, most of his students were either designing cars or they were doing shoes. So they were like a good handful of people who were, um, all about designing shoes. And, um, a couple of them were actually, um, you know, doing that now. So yeah. Don't a bunch of people from there go, like, uh, cause NC state, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as I, um, am aware, NC state is one of the best design schools in the country, uh, just from an overall design program. It's pretty darn good. It's a, it's a good school. It's, it's the smallest uh, college um, at NC State. So it was it's funny when you um, you're walking around campus and you know people ask you you know what what's your major? And you're like oh I'm a design student. They're like oh wow college of design. Oh, okay, it's, it's good to see you guys outside of studio because we could never we we're so busy we never right. really left. But I um, think you guys in uh, I think Auburn. Yeah, and I know Aub- Cincinnati like the design school is all contained like where. Yeah. You know, you have architecture in there, I'm assuming, right? Was that the same? With, yeah. Yeah, so that's how it is at those schools too, which I think is a good thing. Um, it's actually great because um, the other thing that they did that actually helped me with my minor for graphic design is uh, we called it a swing studio. So basically you had a, 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 a semester um, to take the opportunity to take a studio outside of your major. So we had architecture, we had art and design, um, we had um, industrial design, graphic design, and landscape architecture so if you could take a studio in any of those uh, for a semester so when I was doing my my uh, minor it was perfect because I already had that opportunity to take a swing studio and then for my uh, design electives I paired them with like some graphic design history classes and a typography class and a digital media studio so um, I was able to kind of knock out my uh, my minor in like one one semester um, like that's cool. Uh, semester before graduating, so it was perfect. Yeah, I have a uh, my my wife's cousin's husband is uh, is an architect from NC State because they her family's from North Carolina. Oh, so awesome. and I knew so I knew that, I knew that they had a good school. Don't they have a doctorate of design? I feel like I looked at this. They do. Once. They actually do, and they um, it's it's a doctorate. It's like design studies, I believe. And I was actually like right before I went 
um, back uh, went back to school and I went to SCAD, I was kind of looking at it, but um, I just didn't want to have to like move from Charlotte. Like the whole thing with SCAD was they had a really great uh, online program, so I had the flexibility of right. you know taking classes there or just doing the the program online without having to like move and you know quit my job and everything. So. Um, that was, you know, it just worked out better, uh, SCAD. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, if they offer it online or, you know, um, down the road, um, you know, if I do want to pursue, you know, a, a doctorate, that might be an option, so. That would be, that would be crazy. I, I just can't even imagine a doctorate and, like, being a doctor, a PhD in design. Like, that's just, what, what do you do with that? Do you just go teach at that point? I or? A, a lot of people teach um, a lot of uh, research, um, which is, you know, like I said, something I really love. Um, I think I only know like maybe or seen at least three people, at least from social uh, media who have actually done the program. But I know they've had a couple more and they've kind of revamped the program um, and it's gauged a lot of interest. So uh, they're, they're doing some pretty cool stuff there. And to brag on you a little bit, you got the Dean's Award in the College of Design. So congratulations. Yeah, I, yeah it was crazy. It was a surprise. Thanks. I was like, um, uh, like outside of just, um, you know, doing stuff in studio, um, you know, my, my, my professors and my, my parents kind of encouraged me to, um, you know, have a well-rounded college experience. And so one of the things that um, I've always loved to do in college and even now is like community service and like volunteering. Um, like being an ambassador for the school, being an ambassador for design. And so um, that's that's kind of how I, I ended up getting. That was a total surprise for me. Like when they called my name, I was like, what? People are looking, Britt, get up. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and my mom and my grandma and my, my dad and everybody's like, yeah, that's my baby. That's awesome. Like, oh. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I know you're you're super close to your family too. I actually, um, yeah, I got to I got the uh, honor of meeting your mom at uh, Creative South a few oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, that's right. Who, yeah, could, she, who could pass for your sister? <laughs> yeah, she, she <laughs> does. Loves she get that she, a lot. <laughs> she does. She she loves that, and uh, you know, she um, you know, especially now she's a, she's a grandma. Um, my brother um, yeah. has I one year old. My bro- my brother, and my um, sister in law. So they, <laughs> it's funny. She she goes by Yaya, not Grandma, but I oh, feel yeah. like mess with her what's like so just from uh, you know your family like you guys I can tell obviously having talked to you in the past and and her even being there with you but even listening you know when I do these things I try to research as much as possible even if I know the person Mm -hmm. um but I went back and listened to your episode with Jason at uh, you know Jason Frost home with the Creative South podcast and um uh, you know, you mentioned that she would take you to talks and stuff when you were younger, which I thought was fascinating. How they sort of, yeah. and you mentioned him, them, uh, your 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 family really supporting your art career and sending you to art classes early on and all that. Uh, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, they um they were always like super encouraged, like me and my brother. You know, my brother um he's a a barber, and you know he wanted to go to barber school. They're like, okay, well, you know, these are the things you wanna you wanna line up, and you know, this is the school you might want to look at, and these are the programs you want to look at. You know, the same with me and and art. You know, um, I think they just saw something that I was you know I was serious about it, even though I was you know really young. You know, I was like seven or eight when I really started getting into it, and. Then, um, you know, come to find out, like my, my uncle, my mom's brother, you know, he would, he used to draw and my grandfather, my dad's dad would draw, my dad could draw and they just end up, you know, doing different career paths later. So, you know, they're like, Hey, well, you know, you know, Britt's good at this. Let's just, you know, keep, keep pushing it, um, keep pushing her. So, um, they found local artists that I could kind of, um, just work with, just take little art lessons or just go to their gallery showings and, um, 
you know, my grandmother, she was very much into the arts, like not just um, visual arts, but uh, performance art. And we would go to plays and um, the orchestra and like, like listen to the symphony and all those things. So it's a very, even in different ways we were uh, into the arts, you know, um, even if it wasn't just visual, but, um, you know, they were always, you know, really supportive of, it, of that. And I think that's why, you know, um, I still enjoy it so much now. Um, just from all the support they gave me. So it's a pretty rare story to have like that because most people's parents uh, tend to be, what can, what are you going to do with art? You know, like I remember my dad now they were supportive. Like my, I remember my dad went to a yard sale and uh, bought like a, uh, one of those old school, like, elementary desks or whatever where it's like all encompassing yeah. wooden thing and he's sitting yeah. in the corner and I just sit there and draw and stuff while they were watching TV and make posters and whatever um, but you know as I got older it was like alright well you know you've been drawing and stuff but what's what, what are you going to do with what are you going to major in what's, what are you going to be able to do with art <laughs> and I was like I, you know, I didn't know either and I think for a while it's like they I think their ultimate hope was I would become an architect because it's like, and they said, Oh, my daughter's an architect. You know, it sounds really fancy. And then when I came home and I was like, yeah, my art teacher told me about, um, industrial design. Like their first thought was, so like, you're going to design factories or like everybody would, you know, ask, you know, what is it? And I think because (laughs) Because of the word industrial. (laughs) Yeah. So because I didn't really know what it was, there was some hesitation. So, um, my mom, you know, um, being the research driven person that she is, um, she, you know, got on her computer and she was looking up industrial design and, um, she was looking at different schools. She was mostly looking at schools to see if there was one close by. Cause you know, she really didn't want me to go too, too far away. Um, so we had like Georgia tech and my dad was living in Atlanta. So he's like, well, there's Georgia tech, there's Virginia tech. And then there's, um, NC state. And this is like see, before I think Appalachian had a undergraduate industrial design program. And so, um, she found out there was actually a summer camp, a uh, week-long um, camp, sleepaway camp at NC State at the College of Design. And um, they actually take you through each program. So it kind of gives high school students a chance to kind of experience what the programs are like and what they offer. Um, so uh, I got I got into that. And um, while I was there, I met like one of my first college mentors. Um, his name's uh, Duran Lowe. And he was an industrial design student. And so um, between him, then I had one aunt and three cousins who went to NC State. So it was actually just like a perfect fit. And actually one of my cousins, um, my cousin Chanthony, she was in the graphic design program. So she had graduated a couple years before me, but enough to overlap where when I got there, there were some people who knew her. So it was like for the first semester or so, I was like, oh, that's Chanthony's cousin. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I came in like knowing uh, some people and, you know, some people knowing who I, who I was. But um, that program actually kind of helped my parents kind of get a grasp on what the program was, what industrial design was. And then we went to open house and we were able to ask a lot of questions and kind of, you know, ultimately what it would lead to a career wise. So I think at the end of the day, they just wanted to make sure that, you know, I was happy, but also that, you know, I could, you know, support myself and that I knew what I was getting into so that like halfway through, I wouldn't be like, Oh, I don't think I can, you know, finish this program. I want to kind of switch it up. But, um, they kind of helped me do a lot of the research. And then from there, they were like, well, we trust that she knows what she's doing and that she's committed to it. So just, you know, do your thing. And like I said, it worked out you know, pretty well. Even though I ended up not working in industrial design, I got a job in design, you know, right before I graduated. So it was just good timing. Well, I think it all, it all works together, right? I mean, uh, there's a, oh, yeah. is it, is it, I think Massimo Vignelli 
who I'm sure you're familiar yes. with, he once yeah. said, uh, if you can design one thing, you can design everything or something to that effect. And I've always really liked that because you, as a designer, like I just, I'm fascinated with all aspects of design, right? Like architecture, oh, yeah. product design, even, you know, you mentioned art, uh, landscape design or landscape yep. architecture. I mean, that's, that's cool to me too, because you, we can all really do, almost do that because you're, you know, you can design your landscaping, honestly, in a small, small way when you get older and buy a house. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even when I did have a house, I didn't take, oh, I mean, I just hired someone to take care of my yard, so I didn't like Well, yeah, outside. it sucks. Nobody wants to really do it. It's just, you just want to design what it looks like, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm, I miss my house in North Carolina, but then I'm also like, this, like, city living, you know, having an apartment, you know, being closer to the city, it's, it's actually kind of nice. So are you, are you in the city? Yeah. So uh, I'm in a Dunwoody. And okay, so I'm yeah, like 20 yeah. minutes from, um, well, I should be 20 minutes from downtown, but with Atlanta traffic, sometimes it takes 45 minutes, but I'm in walking distance to the train. Does Marta so go, uh, I know it stops in Dunwoody, but does it, is it, is it pretty close to your, where you live? Yeah, it's actually, um, right around the corner. So if I walk, it takes me maybe, uh, 15 minutes to get to the station. If I drive, it's like five minutes. Cause it's like right behind my apartment. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's free parking. So I'll park there take the train, take the train back. And Does it take you to work? Yeah, it drives me off right across the street from the stadium, so it's perfect. Yeah, I, uh, my uh, my in-laws lived in uh, north of Atlanta, and it was in a, ja- it's called Jasper County. It's actually in this place up in the mountains uh, called Big Canoe, and um, when I would go down there, I loved Atlanta. My, my uh, and I actually miss it a lot because they moved, they ended up, my, my father-in-law's from, a place called Salisbury, North Carolina, which is a small. Oh, I know Salisbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's from there. It's not too far. Yeah. Yeah. So he and they ended up moving back there a couple of years ago, but um, you know the whole the entire time that my wife and I were dating, and and even our the first you know I don't know seven six seven years of marriage, they lived in in Georgia, and I loved going down there and going to Atlanta because um, you know Atlanta's like it's a cool city. I think it gets like a bad rap a lot of times, but like there's, there's, especially if you're, if you're a college sports fan, like Atlanta's like the college sports city, in my opinion. You know, and I'll be honest, like, um, we always kind of like make jokes about Atlanta as far as like, every, it seems like everybody trying to like get their lives together or not really sure what they want to do <laughs> after college or high school. Like, you know what? I'm moving to Atlanta. It's like, like yeah, go figure it out in Atlanta. <laughs> but it's like, you got to have it figured out before you get Like, I actually had a plan and it took me like almost six months to actually figure it out. Like, like between getting an apartment, um, figuring out transportation because traffic is so insane. And, you know, the adjustments and cost of living from moving from Charlotte, North Carolina to Atlanta. But one thing I will say that I do like about it because it is a major city and, you know, it, it attracts a lot of people and events. There's always something going on. Yeah. And with the different people moving here it's, it's kind of like you know setting a tone for a new culture to develop which was actually great when we were um you know kicking off the uh, the soccer team yeah. so it's starting to kind of grow on me like at first it was people would ask me do you like it it's like well i love the job i love my job but man you know atlanta's rough but actually now that i've been here about about two and a half years it's um it's really it's really growing on me and it's like only four or five hours away from my family. So when I do want to go home, you know, um, I'm not too far away. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. It's not too bad. Sounds like, cause I, I, that was, I was going to ask how your mom fares with you being so far away. <laughs> well, rumor has it when I got this job, she, uh, she cried, but, um, I wouldn't doubt it. That's, a, that's I, what moms I, do. But, 
but uh but she she uh she comes here like all the time like my um my uh my, my friends at work you know i'll say oh you know I'm, my family's coming in this weekend like well, weren't they just here like two weekends ago like yeah but they're coming back because they you know we just want to hang out so um that's good, man. I mean, I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. I, I, that's the reason why I'm still in Kentucky. I mean, I, I love it here. I, you know, I would, I, don't get me wrong. Like I would love to just pick up and move to, I don't know, California or, or New York city or whatever, but yeah. I'm really close to my family and I want my kids to be close to my family. And I think having a support system like that is, is good. Even, even though that they don't understand anything about what I do. I know it's, um, it, it, it's nice. I mean, I, 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 I've thought about like, you know, um, when I first graduated, you know, I was like all eager, you know, like, oh, I'm going to move out, you know, this place, this place, this place. Um, and I even got a taste of it, you know, in grad school when I did my, my internship at, at Spike, you know, that was in New York and that was just for like four months. And even that I'm like, this is hard. Like being like that far away from home. So when my mom came back to, uh, pick me up, you know, uh, I go downstairs into the lobby uh, of the offices at Spike, and she's in the lobby, and we see each other. And we just run and give each other like a big hug because you know I hadn't seen her, you know, in like four months. So that's like the longest time I'd ever, you know, not seen, you know, um, my mom. You know, even though I do have family up there, um, but just not, you know, seeing my mom for like four months. Right. That was that was. Tough. But um, it was a good test too to kind of see, you know, can I do this? Can I live that far from home? And you know, all the other things. But and in the end, it was a little bit more important to me that I'd be a little bit closer and I knew there were plenty of opportunities, you know, closer to home. So, uh, it, Atlanta just, you know, it was just a, a good fit. It's a good balance. Well, it's, it seems, uh, I remember, uh, actually, so the how design conference was in Atlanta in 2007. I have all these aspects of my life that are tied to the city because, um, like I actually went to that conference and stayed at my in-laws house. And that was when I actually asked my father-in-law for his daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to, and then it was like, okay, cool. And then like the next day he was, he, like I went to the house, he had like a bunch of airline points cause he used to fly a lot. So he, we were supposed to stay at their house. I mean, a buddy of mine. And he was like, why don't you guys just go stay in the city? Like you don't need to stay up here and commute an hour every day to the conference. Yeah. So he used his airline points to get us a hotel room at some, hotel in the city and uh it, they didn't have any heat or something i remember it was awful <laughs> like, oh. the hotel, and it was it was brutal middle of june or whatever but it's it's yeah. uh, oh, but but, it, but i remember i got to tour some design studios and um and atlanta seems like a a, a, a very good city for designers too especially um i mean like like some of my favorite firms are there like uh yeah. huge ink yeah. uh the digital agency um, I think, does Landor have an office there? I don't know if they do or not, but um, there's a lot of great firms there. Do you guys get to interact with them at all? I mean, are you involved in the local AIGA community or anything like that? So um, AIGA, like we, we've we done a couple of events. Like if they host an event, you know, we'll go try to like two or three of us will go. Um, um, the stuff that like mode at the Museum of Design um, in Atlanta, they'll have like speakers and, you know, we'll try to go to those things. Um, alumni mixers from SCAD and, and whatnot. Um, oh yeah. Cause there's also, like a whole branch there now, right? Yeah. So they, they do have, and it's like right down the street from, uh, from the studio. And actually they, they did a lot of collaboration with us, um, for the opening of the stadium for our art collection. So gotcha. that was actually curated by, um, SCAD. And then, um, we actually did, when we were doing the art collection logo. Uh, it was, um, our in-house team and then, um, one of their, uh, 
stu- uh, design studios or student studios. And so um, it was funny because the other senior designer, uh, Tucker, he also went to SCAD uh, in Savannah. Mm-hmm. And um, we were like, we got to design a logo better because like, we can't let the students design a better logo than us. But uh, it was actually a really fun um, process, like collaborating um with them and then you know for them it really it was like a real deal project so uh it was really kind of cool to collaborate with the students oh that's cool i think that used to be like the georgia institute of art or something it wasn't always scad oh that building yeah i think they bought i think scad bought that or something because uh i I remember being down there and it like one day it was one thing and the next day it was like the scad logo was on it and i was like oh what scad's here that's so cool yeah but it's um it's like that's that's where I would go visit when I did like my portfolio review okay. and my initial visit. So uh, it was in Scat Atlanta. So yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, cool. Yep. So tell me about uh, you had an internship at uh, Viacom, which is the giant holding company that owns MTV and a bunch of other um, yeah. channels. Um. So that was summer. I can't remember. Like summer thirteen or fourteen. Um, so basically for, um, my graduate program, one of the, um, uh, classes you could take, um, was it just doing an internship, an independent internship. So, um, I talked to my, my previous supervisor, uh, Lindsay at, at UNC Charlotte, and I was like, Hey, I'm kind of thinking about, um, doing this internship. Um, I had kind of pulled a couple options that were local, like something in Charlotte. And then, you know, just, to see because I never really got a chance to study abroad in undergrad so I was like also kind of looking at options either overseas or you know just outside of North Carolina and um I had been looking and I also was you know trying to gauge some experience um and get some experience in like the sports and entertainment um uh field so um I was trying to you know find internships centered around that was was that something you wanted to go into the sports and entertainment field yeah, like for a while, um, had been looking at it, and then it kind of um, the interest kind of was you know peaked a little bit more. Actually, working at UNC Charlotte when I um, we collaborated with the um, athletics department, mm-hmm. we were developing um, identities and looks for uh, for homecoming for the basketball homecoming, and then when we um, uh, got a football team, so um, the interest was just peaked a little bit more. Um, kind of learning more about it, and I had a little bit of experience on the entertainment end because we handled like all the marketing and design for all of our concerts that came on campus. So, um, just trying to find like a, a fusion of, you know, some experience of what would it be like working for like either a network or an agency or a firm that kind of focused, you know, just on that and to kind of build out my, my portfolio, uh, a little bit more, you know, as I started thinking about the future and, um, the, Lindsay, you know, was always just a really supportive um, supervisor, especially when it came to my education. And even though I think she kind of knew that if, you know, you take this internship, if they like you and they offer you a job, you know, that means you might have to leave UNC Charlotte. But on the end, you know, she was really supportive in in helping me figure out how this was going to work. Because I told her, I don't want to quit. So I, I just hadn't taken any vacation time in a while so I could like kind of build it up. So um, it all worked out to where I was able to take all this time off, go up to New York. So I'm still, you know, getting my, you know, using my vacation time. And so I'm able to, you know, pay my mortgage back in North Carolina, but then also, you know, pay the, using some of my tuition money and scholarship money to pay the ridiculous rent that I had to pay living in, uh, in, in Manhattan. Um, and, you know, just living in New York. But um, I was on the off-air 
graphics team. So basically all of the stuff that you saw on social media, websites, um, for the video on demand, graphics, uh, to print stuff, um, things in Times Square I got to work on. Um, and I even got to kind of help on the, um, the, the, the beginning end of their rebrand. So they were in the process of not just creating a new look, but just targeting different demographics. So, you know, before Spike TV, they kind of called it like the, the college bros channel. They showed a bunch of, um, Silly shows like sports stuff, prank based shows, but they're kind of basically barstool sports before barstool sports. <laughs> basically, pretty much like they had their own network, it seemed like. And they were trying to kind of shift that, you know, to get more viewers. And um, it, it was actually a really cool time to be uh, part of that, that team because uh, they were just doing so many different things. Plus, you know, they had their really successful shows like, like uh, they, uh, Ink Masters and, uh, you know, all the MMA stuff. Um, so those are the two projects that I worked on. Um, yeah, weren't the uh, weren't those? Um, it was like the MMA competition shows on there, like the ones yeah. in partnership so with the had, USC. Yeah, so they had those, and they had like um, I think it was like the UFC like network, like they were their like their main partner at the time. So like all these big name uh, fighters, you know, coming through, um, you know, exclusively on on Spike. So they handled all of the. Um, the, the photo shoots and the the videos for all their promos and all that stuff came through and then it went to the art directors and, you know, made those pictures look all nice and pretty. So that spike is actually where I kind of got my uh, real Photoshop experience. So from compositing to um, helping out on a photo shoot and kind of understanding that, you know, when you see a poster uh, for a promo for a movie or for a television show, it's pretty much all composited. So they would you know, shoot the talent, you know, individually and they would kind of give them direction. OK, I want you to pose like this and then I want you to pose like this. And then they would do, you know, 360 um, shoots of all of the uh, the, uh, the talent. So you have, you know, every angle that you needed. And then they would shoot all the um, the background. So like the the stage and the the. Um, the uh, environments and the, the floor, the ceiling, like anything that could be used as a design element. And then they would also do stuff like if you needed a paint splatter, you know, they would splatter all the paint, you know, take photos of that. They would throw paint in the air, take photos of that, anything that they needed. Like they didn't do like stock photography or anything like that. They did everything in house. Um, same with video. So um, one of my jobs was, um, you know, cleaning up all those files. And then I had to do a lot of resizing. But once I kind of got through that process, they would be like, okay, we need concepts for um, uh, the, a promo that we're going to put on um, social or a promo that we're going to put in Times Square. You're like, holy cow, I could, I could do a promo that's going to be seen in Times Square. And um, it was always a collective effort. Like you'd have like, you know, five different people working on a project or five different sets of hands, um, you know, on the project and, you know, um, pulling different things and changing things around based on feedback from the executives or from the producers. Um, but on the technical side, that that's where I really was able to, you know, get that compositing experience, like take masking and cleaning up images and resizing and reformatting for a bunch of different um, sizes from print to digital so when I came back to Charlotte um, and, you know, getting ready to work on homecoming, you know, I had all these new tools and skills I learned about, like non-destructive uh, treatments in Photoshop and, you know, smart objects oh, yeah, and yeah. learning how to build um, build my own mock-up. So usually, you know, I'd buy a mock-up 
uh, from like creative market or something, but they might need something super specific, like uh, of Times Square. So like, okay, we bought, you know, you go to Times Square, there's like a million different screens and they say, okay, of those million, we bought like a hundred. And so we want to show the executives what our art's going to look like on this board that's, you know, like super tall and vertical and then this one that's super wide and this one that's more one-to-one and so um you can't really buy a template for that so basically just taking the photographs and taking those photographs masking out the areas that I need and framing up the artwork and you know setting it as a smart object because you know they they want to see of course five different options uh so you know you have to be able to switch those things out really quickly so learning how to make my own uh photoshop templates was super helpful too. Which is pretty wild because it all translates, I would imagine, to exactly what you're doing <laughs> now. Yeah, it, oh my, yes, it's like one of the first projects I did um, uh, when I got to the Falcons was um, mocking, well, not one of the first, but one of the earlier projects was um, mocking up um, all of the, design, the designs for uh, MARTA. So they had, they didn't have photographs of all the billboards and uh, the, the banners and stuff that they had installed. And um, we needed it for our portfolio and for um, a presentation for the, uh, for the end of the season. And so I was like, well, I think I might be able to help. So I was able to kind of just take the photos that they had and just, you know, turn those into mock-ups. So we could just drop, you know, all the files in and, you know, it looks like we took, you know, a photo of you know, everything, you know, you can control the lighting a lot better when you mock it up like that versus, you know, trying to take a picture and half of it's darker. Right. It's too bright. There are people in there. So, um, yeah, those, the, the skills from that internship definitely translated to, uh, to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Awesome. And I, and I definitely want to get into, to what you're doing now. But before we do that, I actually want to go back and talk about your thesis project, which was what you were showing at Creative South, which we touched on earlier in the, in the bar. Um, Todd Radom uh, was one of your, I guess, mentors or on your committee or something for that. Tell us about that project and maybe how you met Todd and got him involved. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, that project's awesome. I mean, I think I told you from the beginning that I'd love to see it happen. It's uh, and I'm I'm working on that. I'm really working on That's that. Great. Um, so Todd, I so when I was kind of starting my journey into um, sports design, um, I you know of course was researching the people um, in the industry. Um, that's kind of you know just what I do. If there's something that I want to do, I, I kind of want to try to figure out or connect with the people who are doing it. You know, if I can, and you know, thanks to social media, um, that gets a whole lot easier, but I was still kind of timid about just, you know, reaching out. So, um, I went to creative South with, um, I don't know if he, I think he had already graduated. Yeah. This student had graduated. So a student at UNC Charlotte that was actually one of my interns, but we're almost like the same age. Like we're pretty close to the same age. Cause it was my, one of my very first, uh, uh, design interns, um, uh, Ade, um, who's, who spoke at creative South, um, think last year um so we went there together and um he was pretty much my um creative hype man all weekend so I would see people that I really admired that I didn't know were going to be there and he would say go talk to him let's go talk to him uh, so we met like um uh, Alan Peters and then we met like all the guys from the sports um uh, design. Yeah was that the crew. year they did that panel those heavy hitters? Yeah thing? so they okay. so, so they did the panel and um uh, at the end of the panel, they did kind of a uh, a quiz to see like who knew what about sports. So they would like ask a question, and they'd say, "Okay, you know, if you think it's this, raise your left hand. If you think it's that, raise your right hand." And so um, 
long story short, it boiled down to me and this other dude uh, in the audience. And um, so they're like, okay, we have to do a tiebreaker. So you guys come on stage. So um, they couldn't really see us. So when I step on stage, it's like this, um, you know, uh, an older baseball loving guy and then uh me little old me and um they're like oh okay cool and so the tiebreaker i think was just like trying to guess um mike jones's uh football jersey number or a jersey number or something that he wore and I got, I got the closest so um they gave me this bat and um while i was on stage you know a day is kind of you know motioning hey talk to him talk to him like, I, I will i'll talk to him after the show wait real quick so, I, I have to have a little detail here was it a war stick bat it yeah it was okay <laughs> they had, uh, they, yeah they had all signed it and so i still have it like um uh on display in my uh my home office okay cool yeah we got to get those details because he's been on the show yeah. oh, that's right yeah. <laughs> that was a total guess though but i was assuming that it, it was either that or, or mitchell bat company which is up in nashville but i think he was newer then yeah he was a war stick and i think he had he spoke that same year. Um, okay. That they did. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I got the bat and then, um, you know, afterwards, uh, I went over and introduced myself to, um, I actually spoke to Frazier first and, um, he was, you know, talking to us and I was telling him about, you know, I'm really into sports design. I've been following your work for some time. I'm actually a grad student and I'm kind of doing this thesis about sports. And he was like, Oh, that's really cool. Can I, do you have some of your work? And I was like, uh, well, actually, yeah. So I whipped out my, my iPhone and I had, um, my, uh, my stuff on like the hands and I was kind of showing him some of the projects that I did for UNC Charlotte and, um, just some of like the little sketches that I, that I kept with me. And he was like, these are really cool. Um, I kind of wanted to introduce you to, to the other guys. And I think I met, um, it was like TJ, Sky, um, Todd, um, I think it was Joe. I think it was pretty much like the whole core crew. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, you know, I was talking to Todd and I was like, Hey, um, again, no, Sam Fraser, big fans of all your work. Um, and I told him a little bit about my thesis and I was like, I know you really, um, you know, not only just great with sports design, but, um, history. Like if you've, if you listen to Todd's interviews or, you know, just talk to him, you know, he's like an encyclopedia of just like everything. He like knows everything and like everyone it seems. Oh yeah. And especially baseball. I mean, there's no one, no one near that guy when it comes to, especially just the visual side of it. Exactly. And I, at this time I was still, you know, I hadn't even really solidified my thesis topic, but I knew I wanted to do something in, in sports and design. And I don't even think at that point I knew it was going to be baseball, but I told him, I was like, Hey, um, you know, it was like April, I think, uh, the conference. And I was like, Hey, I'm actually going to be coming up to New York uh, for an internship for, uh, for a couple of months. And he was like, Oh, before I could even like, he was like, Oh, please, when you get there, please look me up. You know, he gave me his card and he gave me his number. He's like, just please, please, please. You know, when you get there, please contact me, you know, we'll, we'll go out, we'll go, we'll chat. Well, I'll take you to have pizza and we can talk about, um, you know, your thesis project and, and school and all this other stuff. N- so, nicest like, yeah. guy in the world. Oh my God. He's so nice. And, um, and he, you know, he, he totally, you know, you know, kept that promise. You know, I, I had been there about, um, maybe two or three weeks, you know, once I got settled in and, um, I just sent him an email and he, ba- he emailed me like within an hour. He was like, yeah, you know, I was like, I don't think you remember me, but you know, we met a creative style. I was like, oh yeah, I remember you, Brit. you know, we have the bat and you know, yeah, we're going to have pizza and just let me know, um, you know, some, some days or some times I work for you. So, um, we found a, a day like, um, like during the week where he was going to be in the city and, um, 
he came right by uh, the building where I worked at Spike and he was, you know, I was able to tell him like where I worked and he was like able to scout like all the great pizza spots in that area. So we went to like this really amazing pizza place and then um, went to a park and just kind of went through some of my sketches and some of my process and got some feedback on, um, you know, what I really wanted to do with sports design and um, just, you know, going to school and kind of trying to figure out you know, I, you know, I see the aesthetic that's out there now and I wanted to kind of understand that. But then I also wanted to kind of understand the, the deeper meaning and history of, you know, sports design and how I can kind of, you know, contribute, you know, in a, in a big way. And, you know, the research component, he was like, oh, yeah, all this stuff, that's great. And here's some resources and here's some other people you should kind of follow. And um, once I got back to North Carolina and I started um, building out the proposal for my thesis, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, he would be like a great advisor because we had to have three advisors. Um, uh, one had to be from SCAD and then two could be um, of our choice. So, um, you know, I reached out to Todd and he was like, of course, of course, that'd be great. He said, yeah, I got resources. Like I know the director of the um, the, the, the Negro League Museum in, um, in Kansas City. And, you know, I have access to the archives for MLB and all these other uh, resources if you need them. Like, oh, my God, this is like amazing. So um, he was a big part in, you know, helping me develop the project, you know, kind of narrow down the topic. And then even with some of the, the writing, because, you know, Todd also does, you know, you know, articles and whatnot, too, and columns and, and blog posts. So he was able to help me get all that stuff, you know, figured out. And, um, you know, in the end, you know, he was able to deliver a, a, a probably well, still to this day, uh, one of my uh, my favorite, you know, school projects for sure but definitely you know one of my top five uh projects thus far yeah and you had some really cool assets from that because i i have some of those i remember you sent me some yeah, yeah. like i still have the with a card sitting up here and my uh i gave some of the stickers to my kids which they've placed all over the place <laughs> and uh one of the buttons um but yeah, that was really cool. And 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 honestly, like, and so your idea was really to kind of do a, a traveling museum. Yeah. So um, so the idea behind the project it's uh, it's called Heritage on the Move, and um, it kind of stems back to um, like next to art and design. My my absolute favorite thing is is history. Like I love history. I love um, like study of culture. Like all all those things. And so this kind of this project was kind of a, a culmination of all of those things. Um, and, um, and then an opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper into what sports design is, because for the project, we had to do a written part and a visual part. So it's, you know, it's, you know two pieces. And um, so for the written part, it was basically about um, how nostalgia impacts design, um, authenticity and heritage um, and experience and um, how that plays into the fan experience and, you know, why we design the way we design why do we pull from the past to kind of do stuff, you know, currently, you know, why do we still do throwback jerseys and, you know, all those things. And it's kind of like the embedded history and, you know, this nostalgia in general, you know, makes you feel good. So that's why, you know, it's so popular in, uh, in sports, but, you know, it has to also be used responsibly because sometimes we kind of try to impose nostalgia or that look, that old worn look into stuff that really doesn't have the history. So right. then it starts not to feel so authentic. So right. um, that was kind of the, the idea behind the, the project is, you know, how to use nostalgia responsibly in design. So I did like, you know, this research, I did some case studies um, for like the Hornets and um, Appalachian and then like throwback baseball 
uh, jerseys. And then the, the visual component of the project, um, you know, as you mentioned, was this traveling museum that was going to um, celebrate the, it's set in 2024 to, com- the, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the 1924 um, Negro League World Series, which was the first um, mm-hmm. uh, for for them. So it was kind of like a centennial celebration. So I kind of developed this campaign um, around this traveling museum. So I, I did research on different brands. Like I contacted Greyhound and they were able to kind of send me like these old schematics of their, um, the buses um, that would kind of run that, not what they would use back then because it you know so old it wouldn't be able to you know fit all the information that I wanted but um kind of partnering with them because they did kind of use those you know further down the road but you know they traveled by bus and using these different stops that they would use would be the museum stops and then they would also stop at you know major cities and cities that hosted the um the initial initial games in uh, cities that host um, and have professional um, and minor league teams so that, you know, everybody all over the country can kind of learn and appreciate uh, the, the history of these these guys and kind of what um, what they did and how they kind of paved the way and just um, how they're kind of embedded in baseball culture. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly... Even even just from uh, the 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 subject matter, obviously itself is is fantastic, and it's some it's a story that needs to be told and continue to be told. But just from this from the perspective of, uh, I'm a big fan of designers that sort of take these uh, projects like this and turn them into these things that are not necessarily working for a client, right? But it's like you have this idea and you create this thing, and that was what was one of the well one of the many things that was so inspiring about it to me was that this is something that you could literally make happen. I mean, you could possibly set up a nonprofit and you have Todd's obviously a great connection to have, uh, yeah. in that world. And you know, you could get someone like, a uh, like a Chris Creamer from sportslogos.net involved in something like this, or, uh, you know, even your connections now with, uh, AMB sports and entertainment, you know, there may be people in there that'd be willing to sponsor it and stuff like that. So, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's, like I said, I'm kind of like I, when I was doing the initial campaign, the, the idea when I was speaking to Todd, he was like, you know, set this up as if you were presenting it to a group of investors to say, Hey, I have this idea, you know, here's some sponsors lined up that, you know, align with the, the goal of the, uh, the project. So, you know, I was looking at, you know, people like Coca-Cola and obviously like MLB and the museums and like the, the Smithsonian. Even, and now, even know, Greyhound. I mean, or, or, uh, or, uh, even, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, but does Volkswagen make big, like, I know they have like the old surfing van thing, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I looked at a bunch of different, uh, a bunch of different groups, but, um, I think, I, I think I specifically had looked at Greyhound cause I think they, they had roots in, um, uh, like history as far as like those players and, you know, trying to provide, uh, transportation for, you know, these guys and you know other african-americans just trying to get around the country it's right. like traveling by bus is kind of a embedded thing you know from the history right. um i mean it'd be a great opportunity for them to just as a brand to get involved in that yeah so i'm trying to um you know like i work you know right across from sponsorship and all so i've been you know chatting with them and um just kind of listening to them and kind of you know jotting down notes about you know if i was to make a presentation to uh, company, you know, because um, you know they're always we're always talking about like activations, and that's kind of been a big thing that we've kind of um, transitioned to for our creative group. You know, we're not just doing and executing projects. You know, we're actually coming up with the activations for some of the our our, our teams and uh, and their sponsors. You know, based on their brand and what they do. So, kind of taking that experience and trying to kind of you know 
piece by piece rebuild this thesis with the the, the new knowledge that I have and um, with new connections and looking at ways where, you know, I could actually, you know, make this happen. So, um, you know, I've been in contact with like uh, with TJ um, uh, about, you know, building out a website. So he's going to offer to kind of help me with that. And um, just getting this, the, the word out about it, because, you know, like I said, it's it's set in 2024. So I, ha- I have some time. So, you know, I've been kind of just slowly, you know, rebuilding it and reopening the project, um, kind of looking at things. And um, like I I can't remember what the root tweet was, but it was sent out by the director of um, the uh, the Negro League Museum. Um, and uh, he he. Uh, asked to see the project and a couple other people asked to see the project. So I tweeted it out and, um, you know, the response was, you know, amazing. They're like, Oh man, I would love to see this you know project come, you know, come to life. You know, if you need resources, you know, I know this person, this person. And he, he said, he, I would love to use some of this, um, some of your work for, uh, the, the museum. So even if, you know, I can get it connected wow, there. That's cool. So, um, so I'm kind of trying to, you know, um, connecting with him back and forth on um trying to just get it launched you know so even if the first go isn't traveling but just having the exhibit and the research you know at the museum that's still you know a, a good first start so no I'm, I'm i'm on it i'm trying to well I'll even i mean this is and this is i told you this you know a couple of years ago this is essentially making sport right like that's what makers of sports all about so i mean i would i would even i mean i'd go on the record right now and even say like anything that you would need me to do to help whether that's even just simply writing a very small check because i don't have a lot of money <laughs> or 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 doing if you if there was audio involved recording i mean maybe just recording you and and your sort of idea behind it or like your mission statement and and putting that out there so that if there's eventually like a button someone could push in the museum to have some audio involved or whatever i'd be more than willing to help out on that so yeah i'll definitely be kind of you know calling all my uh my resources to kind of see you know what they would be interested in, in doing because uh, i know it's going to be a, a group effort to to get it going um cause it's, yeah my only thing is is uh is i'd love to see it come to lexington <laughs> I got to push for my city. I got to push for my city. Come to a Lexington Legends game. We have a little little baseball team here. Yeah, because I definitely want to do not just like uh, uh, MLB, but, you know, minor league teams. And like, uh, I want to, you know, to go, you know, as many places as possible because, you know, I'd like, like I said, it's it's a cool story and I'd like as many people to um, to be able to have access to it as possible. And just like, you know, um, when the, the Negro League players would kind of travel, they would stop not just in big cities, but, you know, smaller cities along the way to play. So right. I want to still have that, that vibe because that's, you know, direct with the history of, uh, of what they were doing and how they traveled. So I definitely want to, you know, bring that to um, how the museum travels too. Absolutely. So there's going to be a lot of different components. You know, like I said, there's like a, I have an app and like the website and then I have print materials and um, so many ideas for like the, the merch. Um, that's kind of activation. Like lately has kind of been my thing um, at the office, um, you know, as we prepare to kick off a, um, you know, new season with soccer and even looking to the 2018 season for Falcons, you know, we're already thinking about, um, activations and, you know, new ways to bring, um, ideas to the, to the stadium and the, what fans, you know, experience and what we sell in the, in the store. Um, so I'm all about activation right now. I'm like, I have all these ideas that I just jot down and I just 
because we're in a, we're in an open office, you know, I can just go up to the, um, you know, our retail director and say, hey, I've got this really cool idea for this item. So when we launch this, you know, we can put it with these things and we can get this sponsor to, to do it. And it is directly correlates with their their um, their brand and their mission statement. And they're like, oh, OK, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be like the best thing ever. And I'm, I just go sit down at my desk and then I go to another person. And say, hey, I got this idea. So um, that's cool. I, like, I absolutely love, you know, the the activation um part of it and um it just kind of gives you something else to kind of um work on because we don't necessarily do the same thing but you know you have the things that you have to do every day you have to do tickets every year and then you have to do a new score graphic and you know social graphics and all these things that we do you know every year that we try to reinvent but then it's those activation projects that you kind of you know use specific moments um you know from the team's history or celebratory moments that you can kind of jump on and, you know, to have these ideas be able to be pushed out um, and then see people engaging and interacting with it and responding to it, you know, it's really, really, it's really great. Right. Well, let's even, and this, I think this is a good transition to talk about just in general, your, your role with AMB sports entertainment. I know that you started there a couple of years ago and recently mm-hmm. were promoted to a senior designer from a designer. Um, yep. And, and were they, were they was the soccer team there when you first started, or did that come about? So uh, the soccer team was a, the it had been announced, but it was the name was actually announced the day I moved to Atlanta. So I was actually unpacking during the uh, announcement, the launch party, and I just did not have the strength to go to it. So um, the next day I started. Um, but you were aware you were going to be working on soccer, right? Yeah, actually, um, they it was still kind of up in the air because, you know, they were still getting the staff and everything um, together and, you know, you know, building their team. And the initial thought was um, because like my my initial I was hired by the Falcons. So, you know, my email, everything was Falcons. Okay. Um, so it was initially thought that, you know, like the Falcons, you know, soccer would have their own, the stadium would kind of have their own team. Um, but then as we started working, um, you know, things were kind of just coming in really fast where they was like, okay, we would just like you guys to kind of help, you know, help design this and help do this. And, um, uh, Benford, uh, Mike Benford, you know, our creative director, mm-hmm. you know, had been doing all the new Atlanta, uh, soccer team stuff even before it had a name. So, um, they were doing all that already and then they just kind of made it official and said, okay, we're going to kind of rebrand the group. So anybody who kind of overlaps between Falcons soccer and the stadium will be a uh, and B sports and entertainment. So, um, that was about, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I think maybe two years. Um, so then it was like official that we were like going to be doing basically everything. Like those are our three main components, but then we also do stuff for, um, you know, Mount Sky Ranch, you know, Arthur's, uh, you know, like, um, ranch resort, mm-hmm. um, out in the mountains and, um, I guess in, uh, in Montana, um, all of his like nonprofit stuff. So yeah, a lot of these seems like a lot of these guys have like this big holding company that they own like a yeah. bunch of companies under and you just do it all. <laughs> yeah. We, we do all that. Not for home Depot, but you know, all of the, all of the other stuff. So well, um, that's probably, it, that's it, probably a public company now. Right. I mean, is that pub? That's publicly traded, isn't it? I think I would think, uh, I think so. I can't remember. Um, so how did, uh, how did all this come about though? Like you, you, you know, you're in, uh, you're in uh, UNC Charlotte, right? So you're working yeah. at UNC Charlotte. You were sending out, were you sending out applications? No, actually. So um, I, so I got, I had gotten back from, uh, from New York and um, it had been almost 
almost a year. Well, actually, no, because I left in I left in July, so it was like April. So, and I was at um, How Design Live. Like I went to How Design Live every year. Um, the university would send me, and um, so I wasn't really actively looking. Like I had just uploaded my portfolio from uh, all my work that I did with Spike. So I was kind of repositioning my work mm-hmm. to fit more of that of sports and entertainment. Um, but I wasn't like actively looking. Like um, I actually just I really didn't think I was ready to uh, leave Charlotte yet. And so I went to um, How Does On Live in Chicago. And um, it was actually, it's funny, it was actually you who tweeted, but I think Benford was looking, he tweeted he was looking for a designer. And I think you tweeted at me that, hey, this guy works with the Falcons. He's looking for a designer. And I was like, okay, you know, cool. And so I followed him and I think I just uh, sent him a tweet. And it's like, hey, um, you know, uh, I'm here. I'd love to, you know, just meet up, even though I wasn't, really looking but it's like it, it doesn't hurt to connect so uh he said he's like yeah I, you know um i'm here and you know I'll, i'm in a session and maybe we can meet up after that and he said uh, after we met up he was like you know actually i tried to click on your link and it wasn't working and i like panicked and i went and like my <laughs> link, the url was broken it had been broken like this whole time oh, like, probably, no. <laughs> like a, a year <laughs> So you've been sitting at this conference the whole time thinking that it works. <laughs> that's yeah, that's so like I, one of the worst things ever. But fortunately, you know, I was able to meet him in person and um, I was able to show him the work on, on my phone. And he was like, you know, I, I like your stuff. He's like, well, you know, we're, we're hiring. And uh, if you're interested, um, you know, you know, we'd like for you to, you know, think about applying, you know. Um, I was like, oh, okay. You know, See, I don't um, even, I don't think I even knew they were hiring. I just, I just, like, I was following both of you and I saw both of you tweet that you were there and I was like, Oh, well, this would make sense that you guys would meet. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, we met up and then, um, so, you know, I, I go back to my hotel room and naturally, um, it's, it's funny when it comes to like any kind of like opportunity, you know, like this, um, there's two people I call my mom and Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think, um, I think I call. I'm surprised Todd case, wasn't there. Was it in, did you say it was New York or Chicago? No, this was in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, so I think in this case, I called Todd first because I knew, I mean, my mom wouldn't tell me not to do it, but I knew she would be like, well, you know, it's, 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 Atlanta, it's pretty far away. <laughs> you know, my dad lives there. So it's like, I think she, you know, wouldn't feel bad if I, if I, you know, was in Atlanta. So, you know, Todd, um, was like, well, you know, um, send the information over. I can, I can kind of look at it. And, you know, we kind of talked through it. And, you know, the he said, okay, we'll make a list of, you know, like um, pros and cons and, um, you know, kind of map it out. So um, I, I went back. I kept looking at the job. And I, I, I went back home after the conference. And um, the crazy thing is I got back to the co- from the conference and I, not even, I don't even think two weeks later, I got a call from an agency in Charlotte that did um, – they specialize in like collegiate stuff and they did a little bit of stuff with ESPN and with the Panthers. And, uh, they called me up uh, for an interview. So I kind of interviewed with them and then I went back to Todd naturally. And I said, okay, now I've got like two, excuse me, two opportunities. I think, and I got another call from, um, I think it was a, a university's athletics program. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, consulting with Todd about these opportunities. And he's like, I kind of found out later, he was telling Benford that, um, you know, she told me about all these opportunities and I didn't really want to tell her what to do, but I wanted to say, take the Falcons job. It's the NFL. Take it. Oh, like, did he, did he know Benford? 
No, um, they actually met um, when we went to uh, MLC. Okay, um, yeah. Because so I met them there. No, wait, did I meet them? Oh, yeah, MLC. I met them yeah, at MLC, yeah. yeah. So um, so they got to kind of talk a little bit. and uh, I got confused about Creative South for a minute. I was like, did I meet them at Creative yeah. South? Because there's so many conferences. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, so I consulted with him. And in the end, I was like, yeah, I think, you know, this is, just kind of felt like a one once in a lifetime opportunity to go from you know not working in sports and then going up to like working with the uh, an NFL team, and I, after kind of really thinking about it and um, you know like you know talking to my 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 mom and then you know talking to Todd and my family you know even talking to like um, uh, one of the ministers at my church actually was my realtor uh, the one who sold me my house so I, you know talked to him too and it was like it, it, it's a good fit so I was like. I think I'm going to, you know, go ahead and apply. So I applied and, um, um, when the application, when I wasn't really hearing anything, that's when, um, I reached out to TJ and he said, you know, I, I live here in Atlanta. I, I think I've met Benford, you know, once before just through email. So he kind of sent, you know, a recommendation for me, uh, Frazier wrote a recommendation for me. And then I got an, uh, interview and then, um, they flew me down. And I think like within a week or so, maybe two weeks, um, you know, I, they offered me the job and I was like, wow, okay. So by, from, I guess the conference was in like April or May, you know, July, you know, I was, I was there, you know, put my house on the market, you know, I left UNC Charlotte after six years and you know, I was now working for the, for the Falcons. And that's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, that's, right. and, and, and honestly, uh, things seem like, uh, they've progressed pretty nicely for you because not only are you working in sports, but you're speaking on behalf of sports as well. I mean, I know you spoke at a conference recently and then you did a yeah. like a, a presentation at creative South. Yeah. It's, um, it, it just all happens so fast. I mean, I, I, I was never really big on like public speaking or even like just doing podcasts, but when, you know, these opportunities would come up, it's like, um, you know, my parents were like, you know, you should share your story, share your process. There might be somebody out there who was like you, you know, um, you know, just trying to start out and kind of find where to start. And you might have some insight that they, they could use and, you know, just go out there. Don't be afraid. That is very wise advice from your parents, honestly, uh, because I think a lot of people struggle with that in sharing or in public speaking, because uh, you know, you, you, you almost feel like that you can, uh, nobody ever wants to come off as like grandiose. Right. And it's like, yeah. everybody struggles. Everybody is trying to be better, honestly. And, and so it's just like, just share your story. It, yeah, and, and I think um, because, like, with Creative South, you know, I was able to do a workshop, so it was a little bit more um, contained, and, you know, I was speaking specifically about sports, uh, sports design, and, um, you know, the only pressure was, it's like, there these people, like, paying extra to come to this workshop, so I really want to make sure um, it's good, and that's the year my mom, my mom came with me, because I was, like, so nervous, she's like, well, I'll drive down, and, because I've always wanted wanted to go to this conference because you always talk about it so um you know she had a great time she met like draplin and was hanging out with him yeah. <laughs> that's where I met, I met her like right after she met draplin <laughs> yeah so she, she just had herself a, a great time um he all every time i see him like uh if he's here in atlanta for conferences or speaking he's like hey how's your mom doing so I'm like yeah she's good she, she she asks about you all the time she would get him and mike jones mixed up though she's like the guy with the beard oh yeah yeah it's not too hard to do one's <laughs> one's just uh, like six foot six <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she, she, um, you know, she was there, you know, my, my dad, you know, um, you know, comes to, uh, you know, anything that I, I do here and, 
and um and you know especially you know stuff at the stadium um uh, my, my granddad's even had an opportunity to um if I, when I have to like do presentations on on game day for um we had to present like a logo to uh our fan group um on game day uh, once it was a Cowboys game my granddad's a big Cowboys fan mm-hmm. so I brought him to that game he got to kind of sit in on the meeting and that's really cool um, kind of see what I do and you know they're they're always like we're proud that you know to see what you how kind of mild and timid you were around groups of people when you were younger to like you know being able to speak in front of you know people now um so you know i'm grateful for their support and then you know um helped me get to to this point to where i can do you know a podcast without stumbling as much and saying um and i'm still working on saying cool (laughs) everybody has the one the one word though i still do too i i do myself i it drives me nuts but i just get used to it after doing it for so long but hopefully this podcast i mean i try to make these more conversational and like this is not a radio show right so it's like we're luckily we've talked before and we met each other and it's like just be comfortable and, and now there have been times where i've had people on that i've never met before that you can tell it's a little stiff at first yeah, <laughs> um, but I think it lightens up usually after a while. I'm generally a down to earth person, so it's it's yeah, oh, you yeah. know it's let's just let's just chat. But I do want to talk about because I'm a soccer guy, you know that. Yeah, um, <laughs> you were one of the first people to like hit me up, uh, like when we announced the team, and like you were one of the really early people to kind of hit me. Everyone else wants you know Falcons. I want to do Falcons games and all these things, but it's like you. I think. Um, Adam and I think uh, a buddy of mine uh, who lives here who like soccer fans. Like, it took me, my dad went to one soccer game. I think it was one, one soccer game. And it was like towards the end of the season. I think it was like right before our playoff game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dad, you have to come to a game. And um, even me, it's like, I, um, I mean, outside of like the two, three weeks that I played soccer uh, as a as a seven-year-old you know I, I really didn't have any experience with it but I always kind of liked the culture surrounding soccer it was a very because it was so international I think that was kind of appealing to me but I didn't really know anything about the actual game itself uh, I just knew that they seemed to play it everywhere and it was hyped up everywhere except in the U.S. which I, I still don't like quite understand but like what the, the the marketing team here and um, the leadership kind of really said that, hey, if we're going to do a soccer team, you know, we're going to do it, you know, big time. We're going to do it. We're trying to, like, change the way soccer is run and seen uh, in the U.S., you know, especially with our fans. So even mm-hmm. early on, seeing how much hype and excitement was um, surrounding it, uh, you know, I knew the name and everything coming in and just – the little bit of familiarity I had with soccer, like I knew, you know, mostly it's Nate, it's the city and something United and FC. And right. uh, so like the initial feedback from fans, you know, I'm on social, like after they've made this big announcement, I'm all excited about being part of it. And they're like, that's the name. We could have come up with something <laughs> else. Yeah. With an and, and it's funny, like we launched our, uh, our USL team, um, think yesterday or Tuesday. I saw your logo on that. It looks nice. Did you do that? Uh, or, I did. Okay. I, I got to do that. And um, that was funny because like naturally I, I'm always interested to read like fan comments. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of a great insight thing, but it's also sometimes it can be uh, kind of torture. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
sometimes they can say, you know, some, some stuff that's like, man, you hate it that much. You want me to lose my job? Right. But, uh, like, <laughs> Which is just crazy to say. I mean, it's like, yeah, seriously. It's like, it, but you, you, you see, but it was a lot of really good comments too. And actually a lot of fans explaining to other fans of how, you know, USL teams work and how they're traditionally named. And so when I was doing the research, um, on the design, you know, presenting the design, you know, some of the rationale was actually pulling all of the uh, USL teams and the MLS teams and, you know, seeing how they, the logos are affiliated with each other. Some are really unique because they might not be in the same city or they were um, affiliated with someone else. So they just didn't build up their own. But for a lot of teams that end up, you know, launching their own USL team, it is usually, you know, the name of the team and then like a two or I think in uh in Europe it's like B. So um, it's you know it's it was pretty you know traditional but you know I, the funny thing is like we will we'll see um news articles that fans you know kind of put out about you know their blog posts about like what they're expecting and you know they had all these ideas about names and it's like well you know it's they they've announced that they're getting a USL team but you know they've delayed the release of the name so they're probably cooking up something you know really exciting you know, we'll be sitting in the office like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got to brand it the same though. I mean, because those players could essentially move up to, you know, the, the top team or whatever. But I think I was actually, I think, and I think a lot of people were really surprised with how receptive Atlanta was to soccer. I definitely was. Cause I, I mean, and then to come to learn that um, Atlanta, especially with youth soccer, it's really, really big here. And, um, oh, yeah, I could only imagine it just, it just took off. Like, we'll go to we'll have a game like on a Wednesday and it'll be like sold out or we'll do like a Saturday game um you know against like uh, Orlando um or uh, like a Toronto and then we have to open up the because for soccer we have a different configuration yeah um so we don't always open up the 300 level but you know fans will be like oh, we want more tickets you know we're going to sell out and then we'll end up selling out so um well I think the U.S. honestly is is kind of ripe right now for soccer culture because if you look at the things that are happening in our cities in terms of food and um, and also like beer, like mm-hmm. uh, we're we're kind of having we're starting to get like a little more like European influence and stuff like that, and it's so big over there. And it's and if you look at it, it's like man, this is and and like you said, the culture around soccer, the same things happening up the road for me in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, like I saw that, and I think even. Um in North Carolina, they're they're trying to get a team. I can't remember if it was MLS or USL, but I know they. I've seen like um, uh, a logo release and you know some some buzz around that. But I think one of the things that I like most about what we're doing, and um, even other teams that you know, you take a lot of cues from what they're doing in uh, in Europe um, with soccer and you know South America and you know all over the world, but. Um, to see the culture of you know specific cities kind of starting embedding into the the branding and the, the marketing of their um, and the identity of their team is uh, something really cool. So we, you know, we have our games at the, the start of the game. You know, we have this uh, thing called the Golden Spike, and you know, well, I didn't realize that Atlanta used to be like a, a railroad town, and you know, a lot of people didn't know that. So bringing up some of that stuff. And then, you know, we'll have like local celebrities like Atlanta is like a haven for celebrities, especially rappers. Right. And you don't really think of hip hop and soccer, you know, um, but they'll they're really interested. I mean, they they'll tweet to us, we'll tweet to them, you know, they'll they'll want they want stuff and, you know, we'll bring them to games and they'll kind of kick things off. We had CeeLo singing the national anthem yeah. <laughs> once. We've had like two chains and um 
it's just kind of really fun when we're developing like our activations and, and our brand. And you know what's like, really cool, and maybe it's serendipitous about this, but um, and you know we were talking, you're mentioning hip hop and soccer. It's like, oh, that's surprising that hip hop got involved with soccer. But what I've been finding now, because I study, I, I look at, I try to find inspiration in places outside of just sport. And one of yeah. those places is fa- like fashion um, oh, yeah. and men's fashion right now. And especially even sort of entering into the hip hop community, street fashion and stuff like that. Uh, so- it's soccer inspired. We were just having a conversation about this um, for one of our activation meetings. And I was letting them know, I was like, I, uh, it's all death uh, digital. It's a little site that I follow um, on social. Well, not little, they, they're growing, but they, they just do, you know, content like skits and comedy, um, you know, popular culture. And a lot of the guys in their videos, when they're just doing their commentary, they're all wearing like uh, you know, Madrid and Barcelona right. and all these, you like, they, I didn't, I didn't know soccer was like that big, you know, in these communities. And it's actually, you know, really exciting that it's, it's kind of, you know, shifting into this lifestyle, yep. um, which it's almost like the Hornets, um, you know, the Hornets. The old you starter know, jackets. It, yeah, it's like you didn't have to be from Charlotte. And, you know, the Hornets for a while, they weren't really that great. And they're like my favorite basketball team, but it's just like they had this look. So, um, you know, you know, one guy was like, he saw a kid in Tokyo wearing a hornet's jacket and you know I asked him about the team and the kid was like I don't know I just like you know yeah. these colors yeah. it was kind of the same with with soccer but we're kind of you know looking at that and saying okay well you know if they're wearing the jerseys you know is that kind of a way for us to tap into um you know another group you know and bring in more uh supporters so we're also looking at ways to kind of incorporate more um lifestyle uh experiences and activations um you know to kind of expand our expand our reach but um you should look at uh at this uh it's a streetwear shop up in new york and it's also in miami called kith k-i-t-h k-i-t-h yeah so i think the website is like kithnyc.com um it's this guy ronnie feig or fieg is his name i'm not sure how to say his last name but he's a like a streetwear designer but um, they did a whole uh, okay. So kith.com, I think, will just take you there. Okay. But they did a uh, they did a, they did a whole collab with Adidas and built this lifestyle brand, really cool looking stuff. But it, it doesn't even it's soccer sort of the silhouette of the gear is soccer, right? Because it's like the exact soccer gear, but the look of it is so non soccer, right? It's like pink or like whatever. Yeah, you should check that out. Well, that and that's kind of the stuff that I've been looking like. I um I looked at uh, on Netflix that uh, abstract, um, and I watched the episode with uh with a uh, Tinker Hatfield, and he was talking about pitching um the uh, new Jordan designs to Michael Jordan, you know, at a time when he was you know prepared to leave. And um, he said he not only did he did like design the shoe, but he kind of designed like some lifestyle gear and some warm up gear, you know, things that kind of, you know, you don't just have to wear these shoes on the court. You know, you can wear them you know, out and about, you know, in casual situations. So yeah. we're trying to look at it, you know, in that way, too. It's like, OK, well, we have, um, you know, our, our primary um, kit. Um, what are some things that we could do to kind of get fans, you know, excited about like, you know, you can do a scarf design and then you can do like some socks and, you know, Adidas is, you know, our, uh, you know, our, our MLS sponsor, like, can we do a collaboration with like some, some shoes, like a special colorway that, you know, is the United, you know, branded. So we're looking at all these things and, um, 
especially if we can get those on, you know, the local celebrities and just have them wearing some stuff. Oh, so. the lifestyle thing is is perfect, and that's actually um, what so, a lot of that stuff was. the The Kith stuff it was more lifestyle. So now some of it was like, yeah, you could actually wear this and play soccer, but the pe- yeah. most people that buy it were were lifestyle. They actually did a collab with LeBron James recently. Kith did, um, but uh, I was gonna I was gonna say uh, a team that does the lifestyle thing really well, in my opinion, is. Um, Sporting Kansas City, um, Olivia Brestel, who's been on the show, she shoots their like she's a photographer and designer there, and she shoots um, some of their stuff and and they, like the even just like the photo treatments. Yeah, so that's that's actually that's all the stuff we're actually kind of looking at like now. So last season, um, we had brought in an agency. Um, to kind of really develop the um, the look. So Adidas did our logo and then um, they handed the logo over to us and then we built out like the brand guide, like the tight mark, the, the guides on what to do, what not to do, how the lockup goes. And then um, our Unite and Conquer, uh, kind of our, our mantra call to action. Mm-hmm. You know, we developed like a, a lockup with that. So we were in control of that, but you know, the look had kind of been developed by this agency and then we kind of helped build some stuff out. But this season, um, we kind of, our in-house team um, and uh, in an agency, we kind of, you know, developed looks and kind of pitched them to uh, the marketing team. And, um, you know, they, they decided, you know, they're going to go with our look and some of the activation ideas we came up with. So this year, I think it's going to be um, really cool because we kind of had more of a, um, control and say so of what we developed and you know as we started building it out we're like okay we can do we can do this and then we can try this versus kind of taking you know a look that was kind of developed you know for us and then you know you know trying to making that work which i think we did you know still um overall you know a look that we you know were happy with you know that we we liked but we're like we really wanted to do something kind of different that you know that's going to scream you know when you see it you know that specifically is uh atlanta united so i'm excited about kind of what we're uh we're kind of cooking up and um going to be releasing soon so um uh, and it's everything from the visuals to um more motion um incorporating more motion into like our our score Mm -hmm. and our starting 11 and um our um our post-game stats graphics which those all of those social things that, that, that i got to work on was just like I have no idea what I'm doing because I really don't know about soccer. I don't know what these stats mean, at least on the football side. Yeah. Like the NFL yeah. side I'm like, okay, I know what that means. But these other things, I'm like, I have no idea. Time of possession. Know. Yeah, I'm like, what? what is that? Go, like, go assist, like what, what do these things mean? Is this, this number high? And then with soccer, like numbers seem so low, but that's just kind of normal compared to, um, you know, American football. So I'm... I, it's been a, a learning process, like some of the stats that I was doing, um, you know, again, going back to kind of reading fan comments. So like when we posted the first stats graphic, you know, I was just kind of curious to see what fans are saying, because I really want I really want to make sure how I interpreted the stats made sense to them, especially if they're fans. And some of the feedback was actually really great. You know, they say, hey, you know, this stat probably would make more sense if it was like a circle graph versus a line graph. And so we kind of made adjustments, you know, from there. And then in the end, you know, had a, um, a better system, you know, plus we had to be something we could like update, you know, right after the game. Cause you know, when the stats were released so we could, you know, get it posted, but it was, um, in that case, you know, reading fan comments was, you know, really helpful. And, uh, I didn't want to, you know, run off and, cry in the corner because yeah. they, they hate him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, one of the cool things too with soccer is, um, 
It's very, very local. I mean, like even just these MLS teams, they develop like these these academies. Yeah, and that that part too is like it's just the whole process. You grow your fan base and your players locally. That's yeah, what's wild. You about know, they it. talk about yeah, and they talk about the homegrown players, and yep. then you have your, your your designated players, and all the. I'm like, man, this is the lingo, the language. It's so different. But um, I think one of the things I like about it the most because it is um, you know, a newer team. Um, as far as like you know, getting those fans excited, it's like um, you know they they say. Uh, I think we're still kind of you know proving this, this this thing wrong, but you know they say Atlanta is such a a transplant city that you know people come here, they bring their own teams you know from wherever they moved from, and and I was like yeah that's true, and it, you know just trying to get them on board with the local team can be a challenge, but you know when you present a new team, it's like okay. We've been here from the start, you know, to be able to say that, yeah, I was there and I've been supporting Atlanta United since day one. That means a lot to the fans. And so they take it really seriously, um, you know, in in good ways. And sometimes to me, you know, it may seem extreme, but when you think about where they're coming from, you're like, okay, you know, I I see they're vested in it. That makes sense. So, I mean, everything from when they get their ticket boxes, you know, they really appreciate the design. And like, I'm like, I I, I like that, you know. um, You guys send out scarves and all that? We, uh, for the last season, we didn't send out scars. Mm-hmm. We did um, because, you know, we split up the uh, where we played. Like, we played at Bobby Dodd because the stadium was still under construction. And then we moved. Oh, right, right, yeah. So um, so we try to send out something different. Like, um, they still get scars, like the supporters, and the uh, and they get slags uh, for being supporters. So the, the founding members, you know, they did get those, but they didn't come with their season tickets. It was just in addition to, like, thank you for signing up early. Mm-hmm. Um but um, I didn't realize, you know, exchanging scarves was a thing. Like, they'll have a scarf, and then, like, when the player of the match comes over to sign the little golden spike, they'll throw their scarves to him, to him and they, they keep them. You know, they, they, they keep yeah, all that stuff. kind of like exchanging jerseys in the NFL yeah, and all that. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's just really learning about the culture and uh, the different things that fans do and, um, you know, how we do it here versus in Europe. And, and the, some of the things that we kind of borrow from, from them is um, – it's been really interesting to watch, but the fans are definitely different uh, from the Falcon side. And, you know, kind of in a good way, it just kind of gives you two different demographics to work with. And I think, um, and then sometimes we kind of try to take some of the um, the culture from the fans on the soccer side and we try to, you know, apply that to uh, the football side just to see if it works, just, you know, to shake it up a little bit. And then the same from, you know, Falcons to, to soccer. So um, I think on the creative end, it kind of helps us because it kind of gives us just um, a new uh, source of inspiration um, to look at. And then, you know, when we're looking at things outside of sports, you know, like I said, the hip hop culture and then the Southern culture of, uh, of Atlanta and, and Georgia, and then like um, all the diff- the diversity from the city and, mm-hmm. you know, pulling all these different elements of um, outside of just looking at sports. Cause we talked to a lot of, um, you know, designers they'll say as far as inspiration you know don't just look at you know if you're given an assignment to design a score graphic don't go out and look at other score graphics right. you know kind of look at you know editorial you know design and kind of see how they lay out content or um look at a magazine so um you know we keep we all pretty much everybody in the team has a pinterest board and we're pinning stuff you know um we might see 
a billboard or something that we like and maybe it inspires us for something for a t-shirt you know it, it doesn't always have to you know correlate with what you are actually working on so and i think you guys have a really good opportunity down there too to um not only a lot of soccer teams especially american soccer teams is we all try to look at what's happening in Europe and just sort of like co-opt it yeah. over here. But you yeah. guys have sort of this great opportunity to co-opt like the dirty South, you know, like Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta's its own thing, you know, Atlanta and soccer, who knew? It's in the, uh, it's funny cause like uh, the supporter groups, like the, our official supporter groups, you know, a lot of them, um, you know, dirty South soccer. And uh, there's another one, um, uh, foodie mob. Um, you know, they're pulling their names from, you know, Atlanta hip hop culture. Right. And it's just really fun to, uh, awesome. to see that. And um, like when we do like the TIFOs um, for the for each game, um, the, the big old banners that they, they bring out at the start of the game. A lot of those have references to um, Atlanta you know, hip hop culture. And uh, it's it's just kind of really, it's just amazing to to kind of see how that all that evolves and how it starts to kind of influence, you know, the look that we were trying to build up. And um, and even on the, the flip side, even though that's what we, you know, we strive for, like we, that, that millennial group, the hip hop and all that, we also have a side of our fans that, you know, live out in the, the suburbs, you know, more families and who might not be into hip hop as much. So bringing those elements in too, to where it's like everybody feels, um, you know, part of the culture of the team and right. everybody feels like they're, um, represent it so you know we try to represent that through the visuals that we use the images that we use um the, the talent and the, the the performance that we bring into um to the games just so that all of our fans know that hey you know we we see you and you know you know we want you you know to be a part of us so make sure that you know they're represented so right. i it's just been it's been a really um a really great experience you know being part of you know the the inaugural season of this team and uh it was like it was it was go 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 you know before you know the season started. There's a lot that you have to do leading up to it, and then um, you know the the Falcons had a, a a decent run last year, and and uh, honestly we were too distracted with soccer to kind of really um, wallow in the the loss. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of nice to have something else to kind of occupy. Uh, our minds, you know, um, you know, on the plane, you know, we're coming back from Houston and it's, you know, um, we're like, well, now it's time to focus on soccer because we have our first match in like three weeks. So, um, yeah, it yeah. Was back on getting, out, getting on all that stuff. So, um, and then for them to go to the playoffs, their first, you know, their first season. Oh yeah. And that was a bummer loss. I watched that game actually. I know it was, we were sitting there in our seats. We're like, watch, it's going to be, cause the, the, you know, the, the, the announcers, you know, announcing, okay, you know, if we know if no one scores, you know, we'll, we'll go into overtime. And if you no know, one scores in overtime, you know, we have this, we'll have to kick it. I'm like, oh, I can't, I just can't, my nerves cannot take it. And, um, of course, all well, and the happened. goalkeeper for Columbus was, he did a fantastic job. And honestly, I think something that worked out in their favor was that there was that whole announcement about them moving, possibly moving to Austin. Yeah, exactly. And it just yeah, exactly. fired them up. Like the fan base and everybody was like, no, we do not, we do not want to lose one of the MLS's oldest teams. Exactly. And like, they're actually like, um, look wise, you know, I love, I love really like, I like simple, you know, when it comes to, you know, colors and design, I think there's, when you have like limitations, that's when you really get to be creative. Like with Twitter, you know, when you had just 140 characters and you had to be really clever with your captions and your, the, the imagery. And it just, it seemed like it made for a better experience. It's like the same with design. If you give me like smaller pieces to work with, you know, I have to kind of take those pieces and do a lot of different things with it. I like doing stuff like that. I like, 
um, the simplicity of like their look, like the, the yellow and the black and the, and the checkers and, you know, their typeface. And they translate that, you know, well to me, you know, on their website and their social. Mm-hmm. And I, so they, they were one of the, the groups that I kind of followed when I was trying to get inspiration for what kind of stuff did I need to do produce for, you know, social media graphics and, and, and just that look. So I, they're one of my favorites. Um, I still didn't want to lose to them. Um, right. You know, it's funny. I think I was watching uh, your uniform unveiling. Were you at that? Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was like being live streamed or whatever. And I remember it was like a lot of fans and I kind of agreed too, but obviously this is just something that you don't control is, um, I thought it was so weird that the sponsor was because the sponsors on soccer teams are so worked in right to who it is. And it's like American family insurance. Like why would it not be Chick-fil-A or Home Depot or Coke? Working with working in sports, you learn a whole lot about sponsorship. I think I kind of talked about it when I was posting about the, um, the, uh, the USL logo. It's and it's the same with the naming of the stadium. So when the stadium came out, um, you know, Mercedes Benz stadium, you know, everyone's like, they ask the same thing. Why didn't Chick-fil-A sponsor? Why didn't Coca-Cola right. sponsor or Delta? And, you know, Mercedes had just moved to Atlanta. Like, they moved their headquarters from, like, I think it was in Jersey to um, Atlanta. So um, for a lot, a lot of times when they're doing this, you know, taking on a stadium name or a team or, you know, whatever, it's about, you know, implanting themselves, you know, placing themselves, you know, in the culture of that, that city, you know, American family insurance. Um, I can't remember if they have a headquarters here. They're just kind of expanding their reach, but they're doing a lot of stuff in Atlanta. Like um, I, I got to kind of help with the Falcons event that they were putting on, but it's not just about who's the biggest brand in the city. You mm-hmm. know, it's about a company that needs brand recognition. So clearly Chick-fil-A and Coca-Cola, they're partners with us, but they don't, necessarily have to be on our jersey because right. they, they don't need have, it i mean they're yeah they, don't need, they, they have that brand recognition it's, it's just uh-huh. will be so much cooler to wear a, a, a atlanta jersey with coca-cola across the front like all the mock-ups and stuff that people were doing we were in the office like yeah it's actually kind of cool <laughs> like i i, I kind of wish it was that but um it, it's definitely one of those things you don't really control it's more like you know who offers like the better deal that kind of aligns with what we're trying to do and and everything in the end so it was you know fans you know they 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 pouted about it but then they thought we we would sell out of jersey we couldn't keep them in the store um and then we came out with our um our secondary uh, it's funny you know it's it's all about like um uh, uh you know I think it's, uh, semiotics it's like how you name something can really impact how it sells so we were calling it the secondary kit so of course you call it secondary. It doesn't sound very important. You know, you got mm-hmm. primary, a secondary, because it's not. They don't really do home and away because you could wear it. You know, whenever. Right. So um, then we end up calling it the uh, inaugural gray. You know, a little bit toward like I think it was like in the summer we renamed it, and it kind of gave it like more of a special meaning. And so once we kind of you know did that. It, the perspective around that kit changed. It became special because like, oh, this is the inaugural gray. Oh, this is the inaugural kit this is going away after, you know, the seat's like, oh, okay, I, I need to get this. And then after that, you know, they start selling faster. So we're kind of right. taking those lessons um, from that first year, you know, to apply, you know, for the future. So careful about how we name stuff and how we market stuff and how we brand stuff to make every, you know, aspect feel, you know, special uh, so that fans, you know, really want to engage and kind of, you know, be part of it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's, it's just so different from, Falcons, like MLS, when it comes to just overall um, branding uh, and uh, and just 
playing with new ideas, you know, they're a lot more lenient. They're like, yeah, you know, do it, you know, try it. Um, we're on the NFL side, not, you know, conservative creative wise, but, you know, there are certain things, you know, we, we can do on the soccer side that we, we can't really do on the, the football side yet. But right. I think they're starting to kind of see um, some of what we're doing, at least for our teams and uh, trying to, um, you know, accommodate. Um, and then um, when we have things like, you know, complications like a, a team store. So our team store in the stadium, you know, we obviously sell Falcons and United stuff. Mm -hmm. But because the Falcons, you know, is NFL and stadium is MLS, technically, you know, the logos are not supposed to be near each other. So when I did the um, the logo designs initially, I had them kind of locked up because, you know, composition-wise, they made the most sense. Right. But they came back and said, no, they cannot be that close to each other. They have to be on, like, either end or separate. So huh. I had to build out, like, a version where they're – one logo's on the left, the other's on the right. Yeah. Then I build a version where just the Falcons logo and then a version with just the United logo. And it was like, end up having like 50 different combinations of the logo that we had to build out to make sure we kind of accommodate that rule. So there's some really interesting things about working on two different sports, you know, under one roof. Um, but then there are some really nice things too, like I said, as far as the, the inspiration and um, the, some of the crossover ideas and ideation that we kind of... Um, feed off of each other yeah uh, it's it's definitely a fun brand to uh to work with and um uh i bet well we didn't even really touch the falcons but we're already at uh an hour and f this is this is you're pushing you're getting ready to probably be the longest podcast so that's awesome oh, awesome. <laughs> you, you reached a record the going from a quiet girl who doesn't like to say much to reaching the longest know, podcast right? that's a, that's that's good for you well listen Britt, i really appreciate you taking time to come aboard and i'm glad we finally got to connect on this and uh I'll be I'll be obviously continuing to follow your career and hope to see your your um, your traveling museum project come to life and uh, and we'll definitely definitely stay in touch. Oh yeah, for sure. So before wrapping up, why don't you just give people uh, a, a place where they can follow you online and support your work and that type of thing? Um. Well, um, I love the twitters, so you can find me at um, Britt Davis seven oh four. Um, that's my Twitter handle, uh, my Instagram handle. Um, that's pretty much where I'm the most active. Um, I'm on dribble. I try to update, um, when I can, but half the stuff I can't really post until it's done because it's a secret, Right. but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Twitter and Instagram is where you can find me, um, the most active. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking time to come aboard and, uh, go, uh, Go Atlanta FC, I, and it's funny. I guess go Falcons too, because you guys are still in the in the mix. <laughs> yeah, we got a game Saturday. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Britt. Thanks. My next guest is going to be Xavier Jones. Xavier is a sneaker designer at Reebok in Boston, and he is a graduate of Pensole Footwear Design Academy, which is an educational academy for folks that want to design footwear, and was founded by legendary Nike design director. Dwayne Edwards. You can follow Xavier on Instagram to check out some of his work and day to day at Reebok at Xavier Jones underscore XCI. Big thanks again to Britt Davis for taking time to come aboard the podcast. Again, as she mentioned, you can follow her on Twitter at Britt Davis 704. That is also her Instagram account. And you can check out some of her work on Dribble at dribble.com slash Britt Davis 704. 
If you're interested in hearing more Makers of Sport episodes, then head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to check out previous interviews or listen to the original halftime episodes where I discuss business, entrepreneurship, and freelance in the sports industry. To support this advertising-free podcast, you can join the paid community at makersofsport.com slash community, where you'll have access to additional content, such as private Q&As with future former and special guests, monthly video hangouts, as well as interact with, share feedback, and build relationships with like-minded professionals in the live chat. All community content is recorded and available to you at any time that you join. In addition, community members get an opportunity to take part in the high school project, a pro bono branding project that we are taking part in for underfunded high school athletic programs around the U.S. More on that particular initiative can be found in episode 75, which is called Donating Your Creativity. So to reiterate, if you get value from the content coming from this podcast or other information sharing outlets such as social media, then I ask that you please consider supporting the show fiscally by voting with your hard-earned dollars and joining the community in exchange for that fiscal support where you will get ever-changing premium content as well as access to a like-minded group of professional business savvy creatives in the sports industry ready for you to interact with. In addition, you get consulting meetups with myself and advice. I tend to always give priority to community members when they ask me questions about freelance or business or things like that. So that is another opportunity to chat with me and I can help you with any questions that you may have. My plan is to keep this podcast sponsor-free, which means it's legitimately free as anything that sells you ads makes you the product. Your ears are the products on shows that sell ads. There's no catch here. You get to listen to the show completely free without being sold a mattress or having to skip through any other podcast advertiser touting some product that you don't need. The only way this show makes money is by that paid community in which you get more benefits in exchange for your membership. If you can't support this show physically at this time, you can also support the podcast by going to makersofsport.com slash email and entering your email address in order to stay in touch with the future happenings of the podcast. Additionally, you can support the hard work that it takes to make this show by taking one to two minutes and heading over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes, clicking the five star and writing about your positive experience with the show. So as those of you that can't support fiscally, all support matters. If you've gotten value for myself or any of the guests on this show, then please rate the podcast so that others can discover that value for themselves as well. As always, I'll accept likes, ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever application you enjoy listening in. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and all social media. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week. Yeah.